episode 52 we have uh tactic superstar coach and fellow competitor Lindsay martin on the show Lindsay ha- came back on our show what episode nine which was probably like a year and a half ago i think roundabouts um Lindsay's our longest standing coach um we've had her on the team since I think May 2019, May 2020. 2020. Yeah. yeah. Um, super good coach, awesome athlete, um, competes in CrossFit. Decent person. And she's all right. <laughs> we like her. Don't talk yet. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, uh, ran track and field in university, um, dabbled in some bodybuilding, discovered CrossFit discovered us and we're awesome and here we are here we are one big happy family part of the family so welcome back to the show thank you we're recording from our house this time you guys are sitting on the podcast couch which is a really famous piece of furniture at this point it's really not so bad no i mean it needs it wouldn't be great for lounging watching tv though like you wouldn't netflix and chill with this couch yeah, sometimes I think about putting a TV in this room, and then I sit on that couch, and I'm like, nope, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> this is a it's like the couch you go and sit on if you need something comfortable but still need to stay awake. Yeah, <laughs> that's smart. Yeah. Yeah, if, it's not comfortable you, enough to fall asleep. If someone invites, they're like, you know what, you can stay at my house. I have a couch you can sleep on. Don't <laughs> worry. And you showed up to their that house. That would be so rude. On this. Yeah. It's like, that um, would be hard. Yeah, I mean, the floor is, the floor works too. You have a comforter, yeah. I'll just put it on the floor. <laughs> not bad for it's not bad for w- the way that we use it though yeah. but yeah thanks for coming on yeah of course thanks um, for having me. it's been a little while and a whole season of crossfit um since we talked so i think it would be cool to just kind of yeah update everybody on what you've been up to and what's new in life and kind of how things are going and what's coming up for you sure uh yeah from a crossfit point of view i guess since i talked to you guys i did the open obviously did some kind of like local competitions when I could COVID kind of shut those all down but I think there's been a few since then that I've done uh went through the open fresh off of a weird kind of knee injury so wasn't even going to do the open was actually told not to do it but um our coach Michael and I discussed it and decided that we would just see how it went and obviously kind of the way that it was set up this year um going from the open to quarterfinals was like I'm not going to say it like easy to make it but like a a large percentage of people made it so quite a few of us I was training at rise at the time uh made it through to quarterfinals and so knee was actually starting to feel better through through the open and into quarterfinals so and then quarterfinals went went okay I finished I think like 133rd or something in North America. Um, so missed the cutoff for semifinals by I think it was 13 places. So I think they took the top 120. So I missed it by a bit. So that was tough. I was definitely disappointed to be that close and not make it. Um, and I remember I kind of talked to you guys and Meredith was like, don't cut yourself out yet. And I was like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Like I didn't like 13 is a lot of places. Um, and then, yeah, I actually got COVID right after quarterfinals. So like the timing of it was actually quite nice. Cause I think if I had known that I had qualified for semifinals, 
and then I got COVID that um, it would have been like extreme, like much more stressful. Um, so yeah, so I found out as I was kind of like on the other side <laughs> of being sick that um, enough people had, um, I guess, rejected their invites that I got a backfill spot. So I was like, Kate, <laughs> I guess it's uh, time. <laughs> so definitely, yeah, I took like the two full weeks off um, of training because I was just too sick. And then we had to ease back into it. So like really uh, like my PM sessions were go for a 30 minute walk outside huh. <laughs> for I think one to two weeks. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of tried to ramp it up and like tried to do my best at, at semifinals and um I mean like the experience was cool it was um uh still virtual so some of them were were in person I did Atlas games which was still virtual at the time um and yeah I mean <laughs> I gave it my best yeah. shot you know <laughs> I did what I could um I don't I wouldn't like I wouldn't say that I like blame COVID for how I did I think that was probably where I was at uh with my fitness I think I finished 21st or 22nd or yeah. something um you guys well Meredith did one of the workouts with me which was yeah. <laughs> <Gretel>. <laughs> yeah we did Gretel together which was really fun um it was definitely tough to like get amped up to do those completely by yourself I will say that um I definitely prefer the in-person competition mm -hmm. so I really want to make it back this year uh and hopefully just like straight up qualify um obviously there's going to be more people competing and stuff um hopefully so we'll see how it goes um but yeah that was like kind of my crossfit yeah thing um like the biggest thing that i've been up to i did recently do the wadapalooza qualifiers and they went terribly <laughs> <laughs> the wadapalooza qualifiers have always gone terribly for really? me yeah that's comforting actually. there was one time where i I like did it and I didn't qualify. So I just like emailed them and was like, can I have a spot? <laughs> it was right after the games and they were like, yeah, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. But yeah. I unfortunately don't have that poll. So I <laughs> couldn't do that. I mean, you could give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> just, just see what happens. Miami's nothing special. Yeah. It's actually like, it's really fun. I always get sick after that competition. It's like, it's not necessarily like the, the best athlete experience. It okay. is one of the best spectator experiences. Cool. When um, you're competing, it's fine. It's fun because you're like on the stage. But yeah, like you're outside all day and stuff. It can be difficult and yeah. it's expensive. Yeah. So you're really nothing. Yeah, I'm nothing. not missing. Them. No, it's <laughs> we were we've we've considered doing team going back and doing team of three with you. Yeah, I do a do tactic that. team. I think That'd if Granite so Games fun. announces team of three for a division this year, I might consider coming out of retirement. That to would, do that. would you really be fun? down? Yes. Okay, yeah. that would be really <laughs> fun. Yeah, I would train for that. Tactic can yeah. pay. Yeah, yeah, it can be a business expense. Yeah, the, the in-person competition is just so different from virtual. Yeah. Because there is an element to the sport where, I mean, obviously, like, you you can only do what you can do on events, but you can react to other people on the floor. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you see when – you, when you visually see someone getting no-wrapped or having a hard time, like, you can step up and take advantage of that. And that's just kind of gone with online. And it's – like, I, that's part of the reason I really don't like online for semifinal, like, stage is yeah. it just – it takes away – It's inherently unfair. Yeah. Also, because some people have other people to go against, mm -hmm. whereas you only had that opportunity really for one, one of the events, workout. and you were against Meredith, who yep. 
I mean, I had. Se- she I knew did I, push you. She did a little sure bit. She did, it's yeah. hard to go into a ten round workout at a seven round pace. Yeah. And to know that. <laughs> and a whole lot. Like, no, you're gonna do that. I was like, hey, I know I have seven rounds in me at this pace. Yeah. I know for like 100, percent I can't do ten, yeah. but we'll just do seven, and <laughs> then I'll finish because I have to. But that was horrible. That was like one of the worst. I have not done anything that intense and. In I don't know, a year. Yeah. Ten rounds, three clean and jerks, three burpees. Over the bar, yeah. yeah. Brutal. You basically, like, the burpees, you don't stand up. The clean and jerks are, I mean, they're fast clean and jerks. You're, you're like, literally dizzy going around yeah. in it. Like, I n- never know. Well, I've only done it, I think, twice. But, like, I didn't know what round I was on ever. Like, I needed uh, the person judging me to, like, tell me what I was doing. Because yeah. I would have just, like, kept going. Yeah. I was just, like, like no, your brain is just, like, gone. Yeah. Like, dizzy. It takes, like, all of your energy just to do clean and jerks and not, like, throw the yeah. bar <laughs> off to the right because yeah. you're so, like, yeah, the spinning around is pretty aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. We're definitely, uh, you're our horse in competition <laughs> oh, now. So, <laughs> yeah, you are, you're carrying the tactic banner. Yeah. So. I don't, whenever I see people do really like intense CrossFit workouts, I'm like, no, I've made the right decision. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're not like, I miss that. You're yeah. like, I'm good. <laughs> Although, like, Granite Games is really fun, but it's also one of the most brutal from a programming standpoint. So I don't even I know. I think why it would I'm be okay for us. I don't know. Like, the, the worst workout I've ever done in my whole life is at Granite but Games. But there's more running at Granite Games, yeah. which is all three of our strengths. That's what sure. I always like yeah. to see with like the in person competitions. Yeah. It's like, good there's like a running event so lots of that. running lots of strongman yeah it's granite games yeah. okay we'll pencil we'll pencil that in yeah <laughs> like that would be idea. really fun yeah <laughs> cool yeah um so i guess what we're going to get into today a little bit is an area that you kind of have a lot of knowledge in um and i think is particularly relevant for the training community both um with endurance sports and then also crossfit and that's um going to be kind of a reds discussion so um maybe can you give a little bit of an introduction on what reds is and how it fits into the broader sort of um topic of like energy deficiency and training yeah um so red stands for uh relative energy deficiency in sport um and it was kind of expanded out of the female athlete triad so the female athlete triad is um, low energy availability, low bone mineral density, um, and then a loss of a menstrual period. So those are the three things that kind of characterize that. Um, and then it was kind of expanded, uh, through further research. Um, what I found like really interesting actually is that, uh, when they were looking at male athletes, they would look at, um, or they would research them kind of like from an overtraining perspective versus for females, they would look at it through a reds perspective. Um, and then they kind of converged into this one syndrome or at least like this syndrome that it is more likely to be not that overtraining doesn't happen, um, or that reds isn't a thing anymore. It's just that, uh, or sorry, that the athlete triad isn't a thing at all anymore. It's just that, um, reds is this whole like big kind of syndrome that, uh, involves, uh, they've kind of characterized it now into like 10 physiological outcomes that can happen. Um, so we can... (laughs) kind of list them or kind of discuss them as we uh talk through it but uh, basically what I'm trying to get at is that it uh, it affects both men and women Um, and there are so many outcomes and things that you might not even think uh that low energy availability 
would affect or like uh, symptoms that pop up that you might be as a coach or as an athlete be tempted to go down the route of chasing the symptoms. So if we look at exam, like for example, uh, the gastrointestinal effects. So um, you can end up with these IBS uh, symptoms or like gastroparesis, which is just a, a slowing of gastric emptying. So you're there's just not enough food moving through your stomach and your digestive tract and it kind of like gets held up and then you end up with things like acid reflux and heartburn and stuff like that. So you start trying to treat these symptoms, I guess, with like however you might do it, um, antacids or, or whatever, or if it's like IBS, you might be starting to like do an elimination diet or take food out and like the actual thing that the, the coach or the athlete needs to do is add more food. And so get more food moving through the the system when with something like an elimination diet, you might actually end up taking calories away. So you're actually exacerbating the problem. So <laughs> yeah, that's really, I think that's like kind of a counterintuitive concept. Like yeah. a lot of people who are experiencing GI issues would not necessarily intuitively add more energy to the system. Yeah. And so then, yeah, you just end up going further, further down that rabbit hole and it's like, you know, to what end? Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I think like some of the other, uh, symptoms that, uh, people don't necessarily like think about or that they like, uh, I guess don't, don't worry about or don't connect to food would be, uh, maybe with like the, the bone mineral density issues and like the endocrine issues and how they can kind of, um, how they affect each other, like all of these symptoms. So I'll just like list all of the things that can possibly kind of be affected. Like I mentioned, uh, gastrointestinal, there's also cardiovascular effects, psychological, uh, growth and development, uh, hematological. So like blood issues, uh, metabolic endocrine, uh, bone health, and then menstrual function. So all of these things, again, like endocrine and bone health. So like if from a female perspective, if your estrogen, uh, is low or your progesterone is low, that's going to affect your testosterone, which then affects your ability to like remodel, um, your bone. So then that affects your bone mineral density. And it's all just like very intertwined. And I think, um, a lot of times as coaches or as athletes, we might just get like really honed in on like one thing, one symptom, um, and fail to see kind of like big picture and how they're all kind of again intertwined um and yeah like I said how it can be like an energy availability issue versus like specifically like an immune issue like you're not you're not picking up all of these pathogens you're just like yeah. you have a downregulated immune system yeah we yeah. even like the energy intake if you're you're not not consuming enough energy you have you know the hormonal effects that impact bone mineral density but you're also not consuming enough calcium in the diet so yeah. there you're having like you know, that particular effect is kind of, you know, there's two things that are going into that at minimum. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, I just thought it was really good to touch on um, kind of those things. And then I guess kind of to go back to the, the overtraining uh, stuff uh, recently, Eric Helms, who's I think you guys have maybe even mentioned him before on the podcast, yeah. but uh, he's a researcher, mostly not bodybuilding, but I guess like more traditional resistance like training yeah, like, yeah. Strength, yeah. Cool. so um he and, and a team of researchers did um a systematic review and i think it was 21 studies uh that were supposed to be looking at overtraining um and so out of those 21 i think they only found 
two that were actually, they could actually definitively say like, yes, this is an overtraining syndrome. And it was like <laughs> interesting to look at because the protocols that they had to put these uh, people through to actually um, achieve overtraining while they were accounting for the uh, energy availability, which is like why all of these other studies couldn't be included was because there was this confounding variable of like, oh, these people are actually in an 800 calorie per day mm. deficit. And that's where all of these symptoms are coming from. Um, so like <laughs> two of the, the two that were successful in doing it, like they, they worked up to a 1RM squat on a squat machine. This is the first protocol. And then they had to replicate that 10 times. And they did that every day, I think, for two, two or three weeks. And if they couldn't hit their 1RM 10 times, they just decreased it by four and a half kilos and, like, yeah. kept going. Brutal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that one's brutal. Yeah. And then the next one, so this one was by Margonis et al. And it was, like, even crazier. So they did, like, three-week blocks of training. Um, and they increased the intensity and they increased the volume. And they went from training like two days a week to four days a week to six days a week. They went from training with 70% of their 1RM to 75 to 85 to 85 to 100% of their 1RM. And they did this all they did, So they're doing this six days a week by the end. And they're doing it with the bench press, the squat, the snatch, the hand clean, the deadlift, arm curls, and rowing. Look at her face. <laughs> How much did they pay these people to do yeah. this? Yeah. And like, so then like the other thing to think about with, with this study or with these two in particular is that like they lived in the lab. Like yeah. the, their only job was to train and this like they reached this overtraining status. Now you take these people outside of the lab and they have like they have kids to deal with and yeah. they have their job that they have to work and stuff. You're going to hit some of these like symptoms, even if it's not full blown overtraining, you're going to hit like sleep disruption, uh, immune changes, hormonal dysregulation a lot earlier than these yeah. people ever would have. Um, so yeah, I think overtraining is definitely a thing. Um, and it's possible to do, but I think it's, very often mistaken for overtraining when it's actually reds or at least like an energy deficiency yeah. issue. Um, which, yeah, I thought was kind of cool because <laughs> personally I've definitely like, if you scroll down far enough on my Instagram, you'll <laughs> see like a, <laughs> a post where I'm like, well, I overtrained. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done it. Yeah. I need to take a break from training. Yeah, yeah. It's been, t it's too much. Yeah. There's, there's that saying that's like, there's no such thing as overtraining. There's only under eating. Totally. Yeah. Under recovering. Yeah. Under, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So he does like, uh, Eric Helms does, uh, say that. Cause obviously that's kind of a bodybuilding, um, quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, so he does bring that up and it's like, and that was kind of the purpose of saying like, Hey, these guys were like, this was their only job to do this. Um, so, and like touching on the fact that these, like these secondary symptoms, like again, with, with all of the things that are associated with resin, as well as overtraining, they can pop up before you hit a full blown overtraining yeah. syndrome. And the, uh, the definition of an actual overtraining syndrome is that the, the decrease in performance lasts several months. Yeah. So, so you can, it exists in the context of like like overreaching, which yeah. is th I think is a normal thing in training. Right. And then um, what's the other one? Like non, so, so there's, there's like functional overreaching, yeah. non-functional overreaching, and then overtraining syndrome. Right. And before that there's overload, which is like yeah. overload is like just a training concept. Like you need overload in order to make progress. 
um, in the gym and then like overreaching functional overreaching is a good thing because training goes down for a period of time but then the ultimate result is that um, performance goes up and that's the way that most like uh, I would say most people who are who are trained and trying to peak for something like a weightlifting meet or even yeah. CrossFit I think if it's a well-designed program is designed in that way where there's a decline and then okay now you're tapering and now you're actually performing at a higher level yeah exactly so yeah, so you go from from that from those like two positive out, outcomes with with overload and excuse me overreaching, and then you get into non-functional overreaching where okay you've had this decrease in performance and there was no resulting uh, increase in performance. So basically, like whatever it was didn't work. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> it was like either poorly programmed or you didn't do it well or you did it too long or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then the the difference between the non-functional overreaching and the full-blown overtraining syndrome is just the the length of time that performance is negatively impacted yeah so it'd be several months with overtraining syndrome and a lot of people who probably get into that don't realize that they're into it which is totally yeah problematic keep keep pushing it they're like i need to train harder (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. when in reality it's like it is training it's also eating yeah yeah. (laughs) yeah that's crazy it reminds me of are you familiar with the bulgarian like training method with regards to weight training i don't i don't know it's this crazy i mean it's like i've done it 10 times yeah (laughs) well like it's part of my repertoire like it's not (laughs) bulgarian most people know what smolov is smolov or even um there's some other ones but that one's the most famous and it's russian so bulgaria is close to russia Mm -hmm. and the idea with the bulgarian method i had to google it to make sure i had this right um (laughs) it is uh training weight training program so snatch clean and jerk front squats back squats, high pulls, overhead squats, six days a week, two to three times a day at 95% or higher of one okay, RM. I, th- I think I have seen like people trying to yeah. do this. So yeah. it's essentially you work to Keyword a... trying. Yeah, trying. Yeah, you work to a, a one RM or like, you know, a heavy single for the day every single day of the week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, plenty of normal people do try that. But the <laughs> thing about the Bulgarians, and it's like the Russians too, is a lot of those programs are uh, de- like developed for hard plateaued lifters who are also uh on performance enhancing drugs because that's there's just there's no way that you can recover from that and then even like with the olympic weightlifting there's so much like neuromuscular involvement like how on earth can you do a one rm clean and jerk every day (laughs) or snatch like when i do like (gasps) close to my max like 90 percent I get like shaky yeah. and I'm like, I got to go eat a sandwich. It gets like a little dark. Yeah. 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 Like your, ner- your nervous system just like it turns, it's like on the fritz. Yeah. You can, it's like a sensation. Yeah. Imagine having that every day. Yeah. And they, they do. And it's <laughs> all one the thing time. To, like, I would cry. Like, <laughs> yeah, I would probably cry every yeah. day. I mean, there's definitely like, there's one, it's, there's one thing to work up to like a heavy single for the day, mm-hmm. but sometimes that heavy single is like 80%, totally. 85%. Yeah. Like these guys are working off of one RMs and they're working to 95%. Yeah. Like I don't think I can do 95% of anything more than one day in a row, yeah. but that's just, yeah, that's, that's a rabbit hole of the effects of PEDs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that's crazy. But yeah, tons of people do small love and I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Like in addition to like CrossFit class or yeah. in addition to their other CrossFit workouts or yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'm just going to do small love. I'll just add like, small love. <laughs> okay. I mean, okay. like, I guess you hate your life, so <laughs> go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Call me when you're not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, uh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think to kind of bring it back to reds and I think it is interesting to look at it from like through a CrossFit 
lens and how it might uh, end up affecting a CrossFit athlete. Because I think the way, I guess, like the culture that has been brought up in CrossFit has made it quite easy for for something like reds to to occur in uh in both like male and female athletes because we have these ideological uh diets like zone and paleo where they kind of they demonize certain foods or they just like put a real like hard line on like how much food you should be eating for like how much how big you are or whatever it is with zone i don't really know actually um where yeah they're like demonizing certain foods and this is often going to be at the expense of eating enough food like with paleo you can only eat so many sweet potatoes to get like the amount of carbohydrates you need so then you get these like if the athlete is smart they'll they'll be paleo but they eat some other kind of carb like oats or something like they'll add oats in but a lot of times they'll just be like oh i'm doing crossfit so i need to follow paleo and then they're severely under eating for the amount of exercise that they're doing yeah i think that's super common and now like the last that I saw, so CrossFit had a, either had a health symposium or they're having it this week or next week. And they have, um, a couple of ketogenic speakers on the, um, speaker list. And then like, they've been kind of into promoting intermittent fasting now too. Like yeah. they've posted something about it and it's been kind of all over the CrossFit main page a few times. So now you have paleo zone and also <laughs> like now you're going to intermittent fast. Like yeah. that's insane. Um, especially yeah. for people who, you know, whether you're training at a high level or not, a lot of people in CrossFit affiliates are doing the one hour, they're doing extra classes, they're doing extra work on their own. And those aren't even like elite athletes. Those yeah. are people who are just, you know, trying to, I guess, speed up their progression with the uh, with the training methodology. And so you're going to add these extreme dieting sort of principles on top. Like there's, n- this road does not go to a good place. No, it's not good. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you ever done paleo? I actually didn't. I think I, I was getting into CrossFit kind of on like the tail end where people were starting to realize that paleo wasn't that great. I remember being in Australia and there were like paleo cafes. Yeah. So I never went full blown paleo, but I was definitely like drawn to the, the cafes. But yeah, they sell, yeah. sell like brownies that were five pounds. Each. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they made with almond butter and wheat. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh. Yeah, raw honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that's insane. It's definitely, I was in Australia while, uh, uh, like, bulletproof coffee was really big, too. Yeah. I definitely fell into that one. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean. Like, yeah, put some butter in my I've coffee. never had it. Does oh. it taste good? Like, I'd have to try it again now. I've I only think. had the kind with, it, like, MCT oil yeah, and yeah. not butter. I don't know if the butter tastes better. How could anything be so. better than milk? Like butter or is cream. good. Yeah. I, it's <laughs> good. Really it, like it's butter. good on like bagels. Yeah. <laughs> it changes the experience. I find it you you like taste the coffee longer or something because of the it's fat. Like, that's yeah, in your mouth. like stays in your mouth. Maybe I'll try a sip one day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. We don't have MCT oil or grass fed butter, but we'll get some. Get some. Yeah, we'll ruin a cup of coffee for the sake <laughs> of your experience. <laughs> yeah. It's good at times. Yeah, but I think that's a big that's a big problem with CrossFit generally is like. I mean, it's, it's kind of, you know, there's a, a population of people who um, think that they should always be doing more, whether it's with training or with diet protocols, and that's a lot of the CrossFit community. And then there's, 
you know, a population of people who are not doing enough but think they're doing enough, yeah. then that's a large part of portion of the rest, rest of the population. Mm-hmm. So it's just interesting how – and I'm glad. Like, I think a lot of the REDS research kind of, you know, started back in maybe, like, 2014. I think that's when the IOC published their um, guidance mm-hmm. on it. And then all this research has been in the past few years. So I mm-hmm. think that's really good. I would – really hope that CrossFit as an organization and other sports organizations just start to pay more attention and do a better job communicating to, you know, their athletes and their people about it. Cause I do think it is a problem. And I think too, I think probably for a while, like the, what kind of probably necessitated the IOC making this kind of statement is that like nutritionists, dietitians that are like working with like these Olympic teams and stuff have been saying this for a long time. And then, like, they're kind of, like, I was listening uh, to this Renee McGregor. She's, like, a big um, uh, dietitian for, I think, some of the, some of Great Britain's teams. And she was, like, I was telling them that these girls needed to eat more. And they were saying, like, no, they need to weigh this much. So, basically, like, step aside. Like, (laughs) we've hired you to tell us how to get these girls to eat. But now, like now go away <laughs> because we have like medals to win and yeah. they need to be this weight yeah so i think yeah i think it's good i think like the more research that's coming out um and the information and just like the accessibility of the information will be good but then i also think that you're kind of fighting against like instagram information which is like i think again like i think i've mentioned this before definitely to you guys like i don't think there's anything inherently wrong with like an athlete sharing their macros or like seeing how many calories they eat but I think it just needs to come with this caveat of like this is what works for me I am an individual (laughs) athlete with like a certain amount like a certain training age and a certain like lifestyle and whatever and this is what works for me because you get I would like not just younger athletes like I think all athletes who want to be Tia Claire Toomey or who want to be whoever looking at how much they eat and then trying to like emulate that trying to copy that when it's not at all um applicable to them like it just yeah it isn't going to work for them especially like I think these younger girls where like their calorie needs are like so much higher than than a, an adult who's like five foot t- five feet tall you know yeah exactly so yeah I think <laughs> I just wish, yeah, there was some kind of, like, you know how when you say anything about COVID, like, the little, like, warning, like, yeah. label pops up. <laughs> like, if something like that could could pop up for people, like, yeah. this maybe doesn't apply to you. Yeah, <laughs> this could be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, I think there's, like, this tendency. I mean, whenever you're talking about nutrition and you're talking about calories and macros, like, really you're talking about, a like, a, like in it, it's an engineering term. It, they're hard numbers, mm-hmm. and, you know, you'd like to think that the human being is, you know, a fixed variable, but the reality is humans are a black box, and they're a biological system, and they're super complicated. Mm-hmm. And so all of these, like, these well-understood principles go in, and then you have absolutely no idea what happens in the actual system that is the human, and there's so much that impacts, like, you know, the number of calories that a person needs. It's, like, it's, it's lean muscle mass. It's, like, what's their, what's their gut status? Like, mm-hmm. What do they have going on in their stomach? Like, how active are they? What's their age? Um, you know, how efficient are they at metabolizing food? Like, all of that stuff matters. And it's, you know, what what some people are just more efficient than others with um, with metabolism for a lot of different reasons or vice versa. Like, some people just need more food, and mm-hmm. that's totally fine. 
But at um, the same time, like there is a there is error in how people report the amount too. of food they eat. And we've yeah. talked about this from like on from a dieting perspective where people think they need to be eating twelve or fourteen hundred calories because yeah, when they track their food on Monday, maybe they do eat fourteen hundred calories because they're like super aware of not eating you know, candies and they're super motivated and they're tracking meticulously, but then come like Thursday, Friday, and especially like Saturday, Sunday Mm -hmm. when they don't track and they're like, Oh, I ate the same that I did during the week. It's like, uh, no, you didn't like (laughs) uh, very, very unlikely. And like what we know from some of the studies are like there, the differences, and this might be different for high level athletes, the differences between people and their caloric needs at least their base metabolic rates don't vary that much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess when you're getting to like a higher level athlete and if depending on how much like, activity is in their life, it's going to vary m- more. But I think the reporting issues are, are definitely one. I know for a fact that the majority of the CrossFit athletes I know, at least the females do not track their food. Mm-hmm. And yet you'll hear them talking about uh, promoting all of those other nutrition apps like like the macro stacks ma- yeah, macro exactly. stacks yeah, yeah. um rp all these things it's like i know for a fact <laughs> those people don't track and yeah. i know that they don't eat like they eat these people just need calories yeah. like you're telling me and not to get into this rabbit hole you're telling me tia claire's eating two thousand calories yeah. like weighing her spinach no freaking way yeah well, i'm sorry that first video she like <coughs> she weighed her spinach like a psychopath <laughs> and then like went to chipotle and they weighed nothing like didn't yeah. weigh the i know it just didn't make any sense yeah. and then she said oh, i'm gonna get cheese because i deserve it or i've earned it or something <laughs> yeah. I'm like really like you you don't need to earn your, you can just have cheese because you like it mm-hmm. that's totally fine when we were on um what on the waves and it had been a while since I like have spent any time or even when I was on demo team, I'm not like a big eater, but I'm also on the smaller end of the CrossFit athlete. Mm-hmm. I was around some of these girls and they just pound food yeah. and they don't care like how much is in anything, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that messaging should be put out as like, you know, I eat a lot because I'm an athlete. Do yeah. I measure it meticulously? No, but do I keep, you know, an eye on how things are feeling in my body? Yes. And like, that's way more powerful than, you know, somebody eating like that and then saying like, yeah, I track my macros meticulously and this are, you know, these are my numbers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, well, that's bullshit. Those are not your numbers. But I also think CrossFit athletes, I think most of them have been in CrossFit for long enough to have a really good understanding of like, they probably tried tracking. Mm-hmm. They probably have a good understanding of it. They've tried paleo. They've tried ca- higher carb diets. So maybe they know. Yeah. Um, sure. But I think the reporting is a, is a problem. It's ne- It's not probably not accurate some of the time i will say that crossfit athletes generally and people in the community uh, like maybe crossfit the organization has a bigger responsibility of like putting out good information but mm-hmm. i think people are a little bit more aware of food and like what's reasonable we get people from like um kind of the like the olympic sports side of things mm-hmm. like people coming from um like university sports people coming from the university or olympic track like development things and people like things like that super high level athletes and i'm like how did you make it this far yeah. as an athlete <laughs> you don't know anything at all yeah. about food it's well, crazy no what they do know at least some of them they know what the general population knows which is like what you see on magazines right. really it's like they're convinced that you do need to eat 1400 calories or like you will lose weight in 10 pounds in t- 2 weeks yeah. it's like how 
but it's there's a lack of education there i think yeah it's just it's odd to me that the best athletes that this country has or even in the u.s like are not provided with better information on nutrition or any information on nutrition that i can see i think too crossfit exists on social media and information travels very quickly and easily on social media and there's a lot of like about information about nutrition on social media whereas like that doesn't happen in ski racing yeah that is it's not happening in field hockey or yeah, whatever that's a good point yeah and i think too like i think the really popular popularized diet right now if we were looking at just like magazines and stuff would be like plant-based it's yeah. like all of these like high level athletes are going plant-based which is like maybe fine for some of them but for a lot of them it's like if they're not being like super meticulous about it, they are going to run into like energy deficiency issues as well as like micronutrient deficiencies because they're not paying close enough attention. Yeah. So like I would say like that probably more than anything for like those types of athletes is what would be coming, coming up now. Yeah. I mean, you're like your fiber intakes going way up. Like the amount of nutrients you're probably getting from your food is going way down. Your, like, satiety is going to be up, so it's going to make it hard to eat enough. Exactly. Yeah. And if you're not super aware that this is happening and know what to do about it, you'll just carry on because that's what elite athletes can do until it's, like, until it's too late and they either get injured or, you know, burnt out or they get to their competition or whatever and can't can't perform and then they don't understand why. And, yeah, I think that, like, uh, really ties into Reds and, like, CrossFit, like any kind of athlete, like higher level athlete or like competitive athlete is going to be really willing and really able to push through some of these symptoms, like the, like losing your period. Like when I mentioned it, when I was talking to some of the, some people this weekend about how like a lot of female athletes downplay, um, the loss of a period because it is so convenient to just not have it. Like all of the girls in the room laughed, like everyone just like agrees that like yeah it would be a lot better if we just (laughs) didn't have to have this yeah so like when you lose it you're like "Mm, this is this is i'll deal with this later yeah yeah Yeah. i mean like i've like i definitely have been there i think i lost mine for like a year and a half maybe close to two years and it is it's like well this is like i get all the benefits of being on birth control without having to be on birth control you don't have to worry about like timing i don't really ever have premenstrual symptoms you like still can get pregnant though i know <laughs> so I, well, i'm just pointing that out <laughs> yeah. to some, you know somebody might oh right not, not no. all the benefits not all of the benefits yeah, yeah. okay, okay. I mean, like, I the, uh, the benefits the benefits as applicable to a gay female um <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's it's you on one hand i think you know as a logical and intelligent person you understand like okay, this is not a, a good thing, and I know that, but also it's, like, in the short term, it's serving my purpose and my goals, so I'm just going to, like, decide that it's okay. Yeah. And the impact of that probably is, if you let it go for long enough, I mean, two years is relatively short, I think, in the grand scheme of things, if that scales up. I mean, like, the bone mineral density is, like, that's an issue that can become a real problem later in life, and, like, it's not necessarily something that's easy to assess or easy to become aware of. Um, like I don't think many people under the age of 30 are going to get bone scans. Yeah. Um, so, you know what you're putting yourself in a situation where you might be impacting your like vitality and health later in life. And I think that's really not okay. But really hard to get like a 20 year old athlete to care about. Yeah. Yeah. 
who was like, I just, I don't want to have it. Yeah. Cause at that point <laughs> yeah. you're still performing well. Yeah. You're likely lean. Yeah. Um, not always, but likely lean. And it's like, yeah, it's pretty sweet when you don't have to worry about your period. Yeah. yeah. For sure. I think the bot like the human body is pretty amazing and it and you see this all the time with people who are who are battling like sickness and disease. It your your body can retain normalcy for a really long time mm-hmm. and it can maintain homeostasis and there's lots of little things that it will do um until it just can't anymore. And that's like when when people are really sick, like they tend to go from being like this is fine to like all of a sudden all of a sudden it's really not fine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm not saying that that's how it happens with, you know, reds or the female athlete triad, but you can basically, you can feel super normal and there can be tons of bad shit going on under the hood. I was like crushing life. I was super (laughs) lean running, exercising. I think I was like early twenties and I lost my period and it, I went to the doctor for like a normal checkup and they, I told them cause they say, when was the date of your last period? And they like freaked out and, um, one of them. And I, again, we don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but it was like, you should probably go on birth control to get your period back, which like, (laughs) let's just (laughs) say that's like a, that's a bandaid and it doesn't (laughs) resolve the underlying issue. Um, did you know that? Like when they asked, like when they suggested that? Yeah. And, um, then I, I ended up going to a gynecologist like to get checked because it, there's, there could be many things. I mean, if you looked at my body, was pretty obvious and just like I was eating enough but it wasn't enough to offset the amount of like running and it was right when I had gotten into CrossFit so it was just like all a lot and I was playing soccer and stuff and I remember the woman the doctor was like giving me shit about it and she was like well what did you eat today and I kind of going she's like she was kind of rude and um she was like I can tell by the way that your arms are like your wrists are so skinny and like (laughs) you don't eat enough like it's definitely a problem like this is could this could happen and sure enough then I found myself like getting a bone scan yeah and thankfully it was all normal but Uh she reiterated like this is if this isn't taken care of now like you're gonna have repercussions down the road um like for me it came back naturally and it came back kind of quickly um but I've had clients uh who have been with me for almost a year who like it it's a for some people it's over a year long process to get it back. And for some, it's really not a good process. It requires like, and this kind of goes back to some of the psychological stuff. Like it requires some sometimes body weight gain, Mm -hmm. which is difficult, especially when you've been on the leaner end. And then on the other side, it's like reducing training volume. So it's like a double whammy. It's difficult. And then I think, yeah, like, with my experience, yeah, I think we touched on this in the last uh, podcast, but uh, that all three of us had kind of like lost our periods at, at one point and mine was with bodybuilding and there's really nothing like it goes away and it's like, well, I guess I'll work on getting that back after the show. Like yeah. there's nothing you ca- you can't eat more. Like the whole purpose is to like get lean enough to get on stage. Yeah. Um, and I think it varies so much. Like my personal experience, because I did two two preps I guess and my personal experience was that uh the first one I did was um considered a high fat diet if I looked at it now I'm sure it wasn't <laughs> very high anything <laughs> so you can have 10 grams carbs and 40 grams fat they're high fat yeah. <laughs> um and then the second one I did 
would was low fat and high carb and i lost my period within the first month of the second one because my fat intake was just how many calories were you eating i'd have to look at it again i know by the end like by the time i got on stage it was like a thousand to eleven hundred yeah and like um ouch yeah (laughs) (laughs) i think i saw dave lipson who's yeah like 230 pound dude his his calorie intake going into his his show coming up or like in the final portion of his prep was like 1500 a day that is did you find the second one harder um i don't think so because it so the first one i did was like clean eating like i ate fish and broccoli six times a day (laughs) like that was my diet then the second one felt a little bit easier because it was like a flexible dieting method but then i was like like if it fits your macros macros was really in at this time so i was like on 1400 calories trying to fit cereal (laughs) into my (laughs) Crows. Yes, I eat twice a day. (laughs) Why would like I would have like I think a salad for lunch, but I would save up all these macros for my last meal of the day, and it would be like this like pro like you know those uh, microwave protein cakes or whatever. So I would make one of those, and then I would put like (laughs) like fit like twenty grams of candy (laughs) to put on top. It was just like poor choices. So. Uh, anyways, yeah. So I think, I think it's just important to note too, though, that like reds can occur, like there is no set, not really any set body fat percent. I mean, there's probably a range, but like, it it just varies so much like individual to individual that like, yes, oftentimes people who have reds are quite lean, but you can also have reds or just lose your period, um, and not be very lean. And so in that case, I think the, the, like, I guess provided that you're not going into like a bodybuilding show, the focus really needs to be on getting that back because at some point, if you don't have it at some point, that is going to affect your performance, whether you're losing, whether you lose enough body fat to be light enough for gymnastics or whatever it is, like at some point it's going to become an issue and your performance is going to be affected by it. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. And there's like, I'm obviously stress plays a major role in that too. Mm -hmm. And there's so much that can disrupt that like HPA access that is so impactful for hormonal status that, um, yeah. And anytime you're messing, like estrogen is like, I mean, it gets a a bad rap and it really shouldn't. It's the most anabolic hormone that we have. And Mm -hmm. then obviously like, um, you know, lower levels of testosterone. But as soon as you, I mean, those are like, you have to have those to perform. And if you downregulate those for too long, if you have performance goals at all, you're just going to have, like, there's just no way that you can manage. Right. Like, if estrogen's affected, then testosterone's affected. And if testosterone's affected, IGF-1's affected. Yeah. And if that's affected, growth hormone's affected. And it just, yeah, there's just, like, this cascade where it's, like, you maybe don't care so much about the estrogen. Yeah. But you care about, like, the the outcomes of, like, of how these hormones, like, the downstream hormones affect your ability to make progress. Yeah. But people don't quite, like, I don't think they make that connection all the time. Yeah. They kind of see things, each individual component in, like, you know, isolation. And they yeah. think, okay, it's not, that's not that bad. Yeah. You know, at least I still have my testosterone or yeah. still producing <laughs> yeah. hormone or whatever. Yeah. It's like, well, I mean, maybe for now. Yeah. Just give, like, give that a couple months and see how you feel. Totally. But, yeah, that's super interesting. Super complicated. But, I like, I know people who it takes longer than a year to get their 
like to get their cycle regulated mm-hmm. again after even after a short amount of time like it's just but that that has to be the priority and it's hard like the psychological impacts of saying like saying to a really active person like you got to cool it yeah. like with the activity with the training with the walking with anything that's you know could be throwing off your energy balance mm-hmm. like that's it's just a really like yeah there's definitely psychological impacts to that kind of modification so yeah and i think even again like looking at the just like the secondary symptoms like the sleep disruptions and stuff like that like i have a client who i worked with recently who was doing crossfit like a like a fairly i guess like normal amount like one one class per week or sorry one class uh, five classes a day or five classes a week it shouldn't have been that hard yeah. <laughs> five classes per week of crossfit and he was having these sleep issues and we went down so many possible pathways for like why he might be having this like is there mold in your house like all of these oh, like yeah. different things <laughs> just to like find out basically that like he personally and it would it like his stress in his life and stuff would affect it as well. But like the like easiest variable, I guess, to change was the fact that he was doing CrossFit five days a week and the intensity was was too high for whatever reason, for whatever like mix of his like lifestyle factors and, and physiology, it wasn't working for him. And he was getting these like the secondary symptom of like not being able to sleep. So as soon as he switched his CrossFit training to more like classic like resistance training or bodybuilding type training started sleeping eight hours a night yeah so it's just i think all of this is just so individual and you can't really look at the athlete beside you or look at the girl on instagram and what they're doing and just like copy and paste yeah like got it like pay attention to your your own biofeedback and like everything that like take into every take everything that you're doing in your life into account um, look at kind of like your drains and charges, I think, and try to balance it out. Yeah. And I think it's at the end of the day, even if, if what a person's doing, what they want to continue to do is participate in like CrossFit affiliate programming, that's, that's totally fine. But as you, um, train for longer and as your training age goes up, like your ability to output at a really high level, like your ability to access intensity and not have that have a negative impact on your life and on your recovery, um, that starts to decline. So I think, um, you know, having a base understanding of like, you know, what appropriate training is, and this is like one of my beefs with CrossFit is just that the, the intensity really gets pushed and Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, I'm pretty sure Glassman said like, you know, be impressed with intensity, not volume. And like, I just, I sort of fundamentally disagree with that because I think people don't understand the ability to access intensity in a competition setting is, dependent largely on an athlete or coach's ability to modulate like volume and intensity in training. And Mm -hmm. you don't get to access intensity in competition by accessing it every single day in training. Like what you get doing that is, um, you get injured or sick or you get chronically dampened. And so you can't even get to a hundred percent. You can get to 80 to 85% and that's going to be maximum for you. And then you have someone who maybe, you know, when they're early in their training career felt like they could they could go there all the time and now they've been training CrossFit for three or four years and they feel like they can never go there. And Mm -hmm. it's just, all it is is they haven't educated themselves and their coaches don't understand the impact of training age and volume and intensity on someone with a higher training 
age than, you know, a beginner who can adapt kind of to anything. I think, I think stress is highly underrated. For sure. Just, and, um, I always like to talk about how like all of the stress in your life is in, it's in one cup mm-hmm. where some people like to think of it as like, you know, on their own Island. So like life stress, emotional stress, work stress, and then, um, like eating stress. Like if you're in a deficit, that's stressful. Mm-hmm. Um, training, training stress. <clears throat> one good example, like Meredith, what you, to speak to your point, um, when we, when we do competitions, let's just take regionals for example which is like a three-day event with six to seven workouts across three days the first so you will do like a a mock regionals workout like two or three weeks before when the workouts are released and you so it's like friday saturday sunday you do the workouts like in order like you would at regionals monday morning you wake up fine you can train on tuesday Mm -hmm. at regionals you wake up on Monday morning, you wake up on Sunday morning Mm -hmm. and you're destroyed (laughs) and you've done the exact same amount of volume, the exact same times of day, eaten the same things, but you like your legs are, excuse my language, eh, fucked. (laughs) (laughs) You're back, like you're exhausted mentally. Mm -hmm. You don't even want to do the last day (laughs) half the time. And it's like partially, partially it's just like, it's again, it's like adrenaline, cortisol, all of that stuff that's like associated with higher intensity, higher stress. Mm -hmm. It has a huge impact on your body. And that's just, you know, the difference between training and competition, let alone all the other life stress that people are going through. Mm -hmm. For sure. I mean, cortisol just like, it changes the way that your body accesses glycogen. Mm -hmm. So like the way that it accesses your stored energy is going to be different. And you're going to, you have your cortisol is jacked for three days in a row. Like, what do you think is going to (laughs) happen? Like, it's just, like, you're, you, you're working you, out. You finish regionals, you're like, I have to quit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think I'm sure done. I'm yeah. retired now. 2016 regionals, I I was like, well, I guess I, I guess I have to retire. <laughs> like, I was so broken. I never feel the same again. I took the elevator. on So Sunday morning, 2016 regionals, I had to take the elevator down to the bottom of the hotel. It was only three floors. Down. And I was like, well, I have to take the elevator because I can't go downstairs. And I have to go do 155-pound overhead squats. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, it was – yeah, it's crazy what stress does. But then on an acute level, like, I mean, the, the mental impact of, you know, having a really demanding job or having family demands and then also trying to get your – you know, get the most out of your training, I think people will have trouble differentiating between, like, training in ideal cir- circumstances and training in circumstances that are that are not ideal and sometimes – um, the your mood and energy and training can decline as a result of even like sitting on social media and scrolling affects your ability to train. People don't realize that. Yeah. Um, I think they've done like the research with all the Stroop tests, um, which is a test where what is a Stroop test? It's where uh, it shows you a word that is a color oh, in yeah. a different color. Yeah. So you see the word yellow, but it's actually red and so you have to identify the color not the word yeah it's a really very mentally fatiguing test and it has a profound impact on power output and endurance and mood and training and they've seen similar impacts um they did a a two studies where they basically compared the impacts of scrolling social media before a training session to the impacts of a stroop test and they're quite similar so Mm -hmm. um which is crazy because you don't like it seems like a relaxing thing to sit there and just like scroll through instagram yeah but it's absolutely not. No. It's probably so st- stimulating. Yeah. What's stimulating, you're looking at people doing like 
lifts that you can't do. Yeah, you're like feeling <laughs> so bad about yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Okay, on that Literally note, everyone I just, can snatch 200 pounds yeah, now. Like, I saw a 20 year old, a 20 year old strict press 165. <laughs> who? What? Oh, who is that? The somebody from the Vegas. She. Oh, maybe it's not the same girl. I'm like, excuse me? Maybe there's two. Maybe there's two. Probably. (laughs) Probably. I'm like, I made the right decision to take my exit. I remember when... You still got this, Lindsay. Yeah, thanks. (laughs) I remember when when finishing the snatch ladder in in 2016 was a big deal. Or 2017. And that was two at at 175 to finish. I remember I, I finished it and I was like... Boom. <laughs> I'm the strongest ever. Yeah. We're finishing the, the chest of our workout with the 185 at the end. Yeah. Like, boom. <laughs> and now it's like you do 185 in a competition and you're bottom 50%. Mm-hmm. Well, just shoot me. Put me down. Yeah. yeah. I don't even talk about my snatch. But uh, yeah, the one uh, point that I wanted to add there is that I I just find it funny when you kind of ask people so like in our questionnaire when we have when we were bringing clients on we ask them like what is like three things that you find joy in or three things that you find relax you um and you'll end up like asking them as you talk to them like they're they're telling you that you're they're stressed out and whatever and you kind of start asking them well what do you do to either like manage your stress or what do you find uh really helps like regulate your stress and they'll say training they'll say working out yeah and so you don't want to like (laughs) say like no that's not good like it's good that you're training but that is not like a stress reducing thing most of the time depending what you're doing but if you're like if it's like crossfit classes like that's that's not it (laughs) especially (laughs) depending on like meredith said training age and how your output is yeah like somebody who's new to CrossFit who does Fran, it's like, okay, you're doing a 10 minute workout at like moderate intensity. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you take somebody who's like pretty efficient with thrusters and pull-ups, they're, they're going to crush themselves. Right. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> so it's not stress relief. It's definitely like a factor mm-hmm. take that needs to be taken into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think is like the one, the, the number one thing that people can do um, that has like a positive impact on, if their, if their goal is performance and training, like, what's the number one thing that they can do to improve training outcomes? Probably sleep enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, for sure, eat enough. Um, but, yeah, like, yeah, eat enough, sleep enough. Probably from our conversation, like, get off your phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, probably have some things that are, like, uh, inherently, like, parasympathetic that, like, actually help you relax and, like, I guess like um like meditation is not something that I've ever been able to get myself to do. Um but obviously the the kind of outcomes and the the research on it is like pretty I think stable as far as like uh positive benefits. So I'm not going to say meditation, but like something that helps you kind of get into that parasympathetic state is probably going to be very valuable for training and for anyone for just like life. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think? I definitely think sleep yeah. is up there. I just think it has, it it cascades into way too many things. Yeah. If it's not something that's being taken care of or optimized, I just think there's a lot that's left on the table for people, even people who don't have performance goals, even people who just want to feel better and, yeah. you know, get healthy or lose weight or whatever. Sleep has to be the number one thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you on those. Yeah. We all agree on sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, cool. Uh, is there anything else? Like, how do you want to wrap this one up? Maybe like identify a couple of the red flags and then like, you know, what, are, what's the corrective if you find yourself or you like, you're, you worry that you, uh, you might be dabbling towards reds. Yeah. 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 So I think, uh, for females, I think one of the first kind of like things that you can pick up on is definitely the loss of a period. And we've already talked about that, but just like taking that seriously. And then, uh, in the research, like the, <coughs> the, recommendation at least uh what was kind of stated in that um uh review was that you start to increase uh calories by 300 to 600 calories per day um and that's kind of where you start i think like if someone were to were come were to, were to come and work with us i think it would probably be a little bit more individualized as far as like the set calorie intake that you would start increasing it by um but that is definitely going to be I guess the first step, um, on the male side. So looking at, uh, um, symptoms of low testosterone. So there's like the Adam questionnaire basically asks you if you're like having a certain number of morning erections in the morning and stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, so like paying attention to some of those, uh, early warning signs and not ignoring them, uh, would probably be the best thing to do. And then, yeah, I think, um, obviously it's not always an energy deficiency issue. So probably starting out with just like maybe like tracking how much you're eating or just like kind of like paying attention to it. Um, and like asking or like seeking help, uh, from a coach or from, yeah, probably from a coach, uh, to see if like the amount that you're eating is, seems appropriate. Like start with that, like see if it seems appropriate to, to them, uh, for the amount of activity that you're doing. And if it's not, then formulate a plan to increase it i guess yeah yeah <laughs> yep cool well this has been a really interesting talk there's yeah. also a book called <coughs> excuse me <laughs> um lost oh crap. no period now what? no period now what yeah. okay um i personally haven't read it yet but i know a couple of my clients who have who it helped them kind of get a better understanding of what has happened and how to get out of it. And um, uh, one of my clients specifically said that she felt it was really helpful for her because she felt like she was kind of the only one. And there's just, this is a very common thing and it can help knowing that there are other people who are in the same scenario as you. And it's, it's not normal, but it's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, this has been, I hope, people find this interesting it's definitely not um uncommon but i don't think it's necessarily talked about to the extent that would be useful so mm -hmm. this has been really useful um okay we are going to sign off with some rapid fire questions the same rapid fire questions that i gave ali lemay a couple weeks ago mm -hmm. uh, so you get a, a head start slash i said that <laughs> 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 um yeah so uh you ready yeah okay mm -hmm. Lindsay martin <laughs> It all comes down to, um, I think it all comes down to finding something that you love and, uh, figuring out a way that you can do it as much as possible. I like that one. A good day is <laughs> right on the same vein. One spent doing the things that you love with the people that you love. My purpose is, uh, to chase and realize my potential and help others find theirs along the way. Good one. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, you're
that needs to be on the poster. <laughs> it needs to go on our website immediately. <laughs> um, I believe that. Uh, everything works out in the end if you keep auditing and reflecting on your life, what you want and what's important. Um, but it's also easy to float through life and not even realize that what you don't want is happening. So I think that reflection piece is really important. Yeah, that one's really good too. Success is? Um, I believe it's measured in time. So the time that you're able to spend doing the things that you love to do um, with the people that you love. It's kind of a theme. Yeah, I like it. It's a good theme though. I am? Uh, Grateful for where I'm at right now, um, but hungry for progress in all areas of my life. Love is? This one took me the longest. (laughs) I was like, it's so broad. I don't know. I put put, uh, based on communication as well as trust. It's kind of a generic answer there, but that's what I went with. Love is? Millie. <laughs> yeah, I did think about that. A dog when you come True. home. Yeah, a dog. Like, that's, that's, that's love. That's yeah. unconditional. <laughs> All right. Well, we've enjoyed this one a lot. Um, you know, selfishly, we just like you a lot and wanted you to sit on our couch for <laughs> an hour and a half. So this has been great. Um, if people want to follow you, how do they keep up with what you're doing? Uh, probably just Instagram. So I'm Lynn's Martin. So L-Y-N-S and then Martin. Um, yeah, probably that. Easy. <laughs> yeah. Really easy. And if you want to work with Lindsay, sign up on our website and then make a coaching request on our intake form. Mm. Yeah. She's taking on clients. I am. <laughs> She's ready. We're ready. Um, well, this surely will not be the last time we have you on, but this has been a great episode. So thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you guys.